Welcome to your Christelphian Library, which aims to promote the reading of Christelphian books as a way to expand biblical knowledge and stimulate spiritual thought. My name is Ethan, and in this podcast today, we'll be considering the book, The Antichrist, Christendom's Final Deception. This book was written by Jason Hensley. So if you open the book and have a look at the first few pages, you can see that it was written to encourage in the truth. So to quote from to quote from the author Jason Hensley himself, he says, to encourage us to stand our guard against false teaching, and to keep our minds in the scripture, studying it and cherishing it. So upon reading the book, I found that I felt a renewed zeal, a renewed zeal to cleave to the gospel and the hope of Israel, and to spread our hope and to spread the truth. And that's one of the things that he aimed to do with this book. Because if you read a little bit farther down the same page, he says, As you read the book, my prayer is that you are filled with thankfulness for your understanding of the gospel, and that you are inspired to go and shine your understanding to any who will listen. So with that, let's get into the book. I actually found this book um, extremely fun and extremely exciting to read. Um, the entire book isn't all just on the Antichrist. Um, when I first saw the book, I was thinking, how on earth could you do a whole book just on this one false doctrine? However, only half of the chapters focus on the Antichrist. He does a, he goes in quite detail in it, and it's quite good. However, he does also include a small section on the apostasy itself, such as its history, as well as why it came to be, who started it, etc. And then finally, there's a small section on the apostasy in Christ's day, as well as his example on how he fought against it himself. Each chapter at the end of it, there's a cool little quiz, which you can um, fill out in your mind or even just write in the book itself. And it's kind of fun to challenge your retention from the chapter. A lot of the questions you can tell are for, for someone that's new to the truth. I found it enjoyable to go through that. So let's start off with the layout of the book. So the first chapter is entitled Destroyed for the Lack of Knowledge. And the focus of this chapter is to show that Christianity is prepping for one of the greatest mistakes of all time. It shows that no, there is no Antichrist because he's actually already here and he has already been here. It shows that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, shares at least 24 characteristics with what Christendom has shaped the Antichrist to be and will resist and hate malign Christ. So he gives some warnings there and shows some proof how this could be. The next chapter is entitled, The Spirit of the Antichrist is Already at Work. In this chapter, he shows what the Antichrist is, as well as how we can see it around us. Finally, in the chapter, he shows how it's extremely different from what is taught in Christendom. Next chapter is entitled, History of the Antichrist. In this chapter, he shows when the idea was conceived, and shows how it was during the late 1600s. He shows why it was conceived and what's to deflect the Antichrist from being the Catholic Church as at that time a number of the Protestants were beginning to figure out that it was indeed the Catholic Church. And then finally, how it was conceived and basically using deception. The next chapter is Received, Not a Love of the Truth. And in this one, it takes kind of an interesting angle as it shows why Christendom was deceived and why the fire of the Protestants got dimmed what exactly went wrong, and how we ourselves can stop ourselves from making the same mistakes as they did. Chapter 5 is entitled, The Lineage of the Apostasy. And in this chapter, it shows how, shows how the apostasy came to be, 
and how that we can make sure that we are not a part of it and how we can live a life full of sincerity and of truth. The next chapter is entitled The Example of Our Master. And this one shows how the Jews in Christ's day acted much like the Christians did of today. I found it quite interesting with some of these parallels and I would really recommend, even if you don't read the whole book, just have a look at this chapter itself because it shows that uses the example of Christ and how he dealt with the Jews at his time to how we can deal with the Christians of our day. And finally, he gives a chapter entitled Concluding Thoughts, where he shows that, once again, Christendom is prepared to make one of the greatest mistakes of all time, greatest mistakes of all history, as well as some lessons for us and how we can hold fast the truth as well as our heritage. And then at the end, he puts in two appendix, uh, one on Christian testimony and the second one, Christelphian resources. So now I'd like to spend the remainder of the podcast talking and bringing out some of the um, interesting points that I found are within this book. So within the first section on the Antichrist, he brings out how that when talking to Christians today, we can quickly gather that the word Antichrist is actually a term that is pretty well worn and quite often misunderstood. And he shows how that we need to make sure that we seek the truth in all things and that we need to have an attitude that, that yearns for what is right and to learn for what is right. Because without this attitude, we can find ourselves being like the Protestants were in the 1600s, deceived by false teachers, teachers teaching lies. And we have to guard the love of the truth against all deceptions. I won't go into them all here as I want to give you an actual reason to read the book, but the author lists 24 similarities between Christ and the Antichrist. I found it quite powerful, and it shows how Christendom is setting itself, once again, for the greatest case of mistaken identity the world has ever seen. 1 John 2, verse 18, Little children, it is the last time, and as yet ye have heard the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And from that verse, he shows that the Antichrist, that Antichrist wasn't actually referring to an individual, but an entire system, and that the Antichrists were individuals that made up this system. The true Antichrist was subtle, as it went about changing the truth to false. He brings up 1 John 4 verse 3, which reads, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that the spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it of the world. So when people start realizing who it was, the Pope decided to create a new way of understanding John's prophecy. So what he did was he commissioned the, the Jesuits, an elite group of Catholics, to develop a new way of interpreting Revelation, one which turned the focus off the Catholic Church. And then from this endeavor, the Futurists and Preacherists, interpretations of Revelation were born. Uh, with this, the book moves into a section devoted to looking at the apostasy in the harlot system. This time he brings you to Revelation 17 verse 2 and 18 verse 3, which uh, we won't spend the time to read them now, but the author basically makes the points from this that there are many different harlots by God's definition. Example, Catholicism, Lutheranism, Calvinism, Presbyterianism, Unitarianism, Mormonism, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism, etc. Might have mispronounced some of those, but 
With that, he goes into depth to decipher which one of these is indeed the harlot in Revelation, and which, of course, turns out to be Catholicism. He shows that how, according to Revelation, the harlot there has to have a large amount of influence, which narrows the list to both Islam and Catholicism. But almost no religious group has had the influence that the Catholic Church holds and has held over the world. It's had a stronghold over religion for hundreds of years and through the Dark Ages. Islam has actually had similar, but they differ from the harlot. Because in Revelation, this harlot is called the mother of all harlots. Revelation 17 verse 5, And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And Pope Leo himself called the Roman Church the mother of all churches. When speaking of the ecumenical movement, so this is a quote from the book, another pope believed that all the churches should return to the Catholic Church. He saw all the churches, he saw all the other churches as having begun with the Catholic Church. And to this day, they still see themselves as this, confirming that they are the harlot in Revelation. The author closes this section on the Antichrist by bringing out some important lessons for us, how that may we learn to never let our guard down against corrupting influences of modern Christianity, Catholic and Protestant. Just how we see the churches around us fall back into the clutches of the Pope and the harlot system, he continues to say, the truth that we have is wonderful heritage. The understanding that we have of the scriptures is a precious jewel, something that we should hold on to and never let go. May we learn the lesson from the Protestants and never lose the fire, never let the guard down and stop the Christian influences, such as our books, TV shows, and any of their teachings that might creep into our lives, our families, and our ecclesias. Let us instead take our knowledge of the truth and teach it to them. And this is one of the things that I love about the book, is its dedication to helping the reader feel excited and zealous for the truth. Chapter 4 of the book is dedicated to encouraging and seeking, to encouraging seeking of truth. It brings up Proverbs 4, verse 5-7, seeking God with all of our hearts and seeking for wisdom or truth. He talks about how it's crucial to not get blinded by the God of this world, and we have to love the truth and spend time with it. And then he concludes the section with Proverbs 23, verse 23, and then Psalms 119, verse 97. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and knowledge and understanding. And then Psalms, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. One of the things I found exceptionally helpful was the continual reminder that we are to be separate from the Christians around us. Because, you know, it's quite easy to just look at the world around us and see how extremely wicked it is. And then when you see a Christian, when compared to this world, they actually look like they have a lot in common with us. However, we have to remember that they are part of this harlot system. They are part of one of the harlot daughters, and we are to have nothing in common with them nothing in common with the apostasy. We need to recognize false Christianity for truly what it is, and the danger of its apostasy. And when we read through Christian books, looking for ways to become more spiritual, or ways to come closer to our Father, we are actually opening up the door for our minds for manipulation of the harlot. We need to instead turn to his word for truth. Their books are written with powerful emotions backing up their concepts than false doctrines weaved in. It's so easy for us to 
be nodding in agreement with our books, even when they have been written on an entirely non-biblical concept, and the danger is so immense. So instead, let's turn to biblical-based Christadelphian resources, and better yet, God's wisdom and truth in his word. The book then devotes a small section to comparing the Jews in Christ's day to the Christians in the world around us. They compare mainly in the fact that they push works over the importance of truth. The book reads, So many of the followers of Christendom cannot explain, using scripture, why they believe what they believe. Many of them rely on books such as Left Behind to tell them what the Bible means. Other than doing their own study and learning what it is that God truly wants, many of them seem to spend the time trying to do good works. This parallels strongly with what the Jews did in the day of Christ. They focused on works and not truly on the understanding what it is that God wants. The true followers of God must have both understanding and faithful works. And this can be evident when discussing scripture with many Christian acquaintances. Because they always say things like, oh, there's this one verse that says something to the, uh, this effect. But they actually don't have any idea what the context of the scripture even is. Or they often don't care. And the book brings up a number of references from Christ's day where he stresses the importance of truth from scripture. Such as Matthew 12 verse 5 where Christ says when talking to the Pharisees, Or have you not read the law? How that on the Sabbath days the priests, the temple profane the Sabbaths and are blameless? And he also brings lots of other ones such as Mark 2 verse 25 or 24 to 25, etc. And then after this the book concludes by once again reiterating reiterating the fact that Christendom is about to make its biggest mistake. They will confuse the coming of Christ with that of the Antichrist. And this is why we need to make sure we're not a part of the deception of the apostasy or any of these deceptions that the apostasy has inserted into Christianity. We need to hold fast the truth and not let it go. We need to study God's words and to love it with all our hearts, and to live it so that when Christ returns, he may find us ready and waiting, fit vessels for the master's use. Well, that's the podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune next week as Jacob will be doing a podcast on the book he has been reading.